0: Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake, you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Where everybody's at. So, Ash, if you can bring up the light just a little bit. I'm going to take you guys through a little thing I call this or that. So, there's going to be two options on the screen. I'm going to give you the first option. If you want that one, raise your hand. Other option raise this hand. I just want to see what the majority of people do when it comes to celebrating the 4th of July. So, number 1 this or that 4th of July trivia. Who prefers a professional fireworks show by somebody else? Raise your hand. Okay? Good. Hands down. Who prefers the fireworks at home? All right, I'm going to get a notebook because the cops are coming to your house here soon. Because here's the thing, if you buy Minnesota fireworks, there's no way you enjoy those because those are just little fountains of sparklers, right? So if you're celebrating this one, it's because you went to Wisconsin, North Dakota, or Iowa. And I'm mad because I didn't get a single invite. Because I prefer those as well. It's, it's so much cooler where you can see and just feel the poosh right there. And then there's always the added danger of like, what if this tips over and comes at my house? It's fun. I love it. It's exhilarating. Number two. Host a party. Where are my hostess with the most is at? Very few of you. We love you. Can I just say that? Because I love coming for where's my option two at? This is me. No cleanup. No destruction of your own property. Usually free food in excess. It is so much better to show up to a party and be the guest, except you've always been to that party where the food is like just really interesting. Really interesting. Like, don't know what that is. Don't know if I want to try it, but I want to be polite. So, mmm, one of those things, gross. Next one, like deviled eggs. Just hold on. Deviled eggs. I'm sorry if you love deviled eggs. Yeah. I literally get gagging just like looking at those things. But no offense, okay? Just I think I just kill our whole church. <laughs> hot dogs? Any any fans of hot dogs? Burgers. Wow. Wow, yeah. I, I'm here too. Meat. Brats, doesn't matter. Pork chops, steaks, doesn't matter. Give us both. All right, next one. Oh, the, the end-all, be-all debate. Coke fans. Yeah. Wow. Hostility. That's what I'm talking about. Pepsi. That's like a straight-up even 50-50 split. <laughs> Thank you. The real option wasn't even mentioned. Dr. Pepper is the most elite option out there, and I will not be told otherwise, okay? If you're like, hey, like, I want to just get Pastor Derek, so I'm going to bring him a whole stack of deviled eggs, no thanks. But if you, like, dropped off a case of Dr. Pepper in my office, I might literally give you a hug on the spot. Dr. Pepper is my love language. It's so good. Next one. Pop music. The grumblings are my favorite. Country. Hands down. Rock music. There we are. There we are. Yep. There there we are. That's what I kind of figured. Country music, I, I, I'm just going to say, I used to hate country music. I feel like you need a banjo and a piece of straw every time you listen to music. But country music has gotten really good. But like, it's one of those things where in the summer i got to enjoy country music. We have one more, Asher. How many we got more? Oh boy. Our former pastor Chris would crucify me if we put this on here because he is a Superman fanatic. So, out of respect for this church, where are my Superman fans at? Very few. Chris, I love you man. This is our church now. <laughs> Captain America! Yes! There we are. I, I can't wait for the comments. Let me get a text from him later. Hey, I was watching on stream, and you are tainting that church. It's gonna be awesome. Got one more, two more. All right, two more. Oh, sunglasses, hat. Let me. Let me just let you. Let me just let you in on this little secret here. Guaranteed, come fall, I will have white circles around my eyes that look about here and about a a half circle about right here on my forehead. Because I'm always wearing a hat backwards with sunglasses. Always. And so that's a a for sure both for me. And then the last one, the last one, when it comes to how you pronounce this holiday when you pronounce like what you're doing for this weekend how many do you say the 4th of July mhm hands down independence day we have some sophisticated people in here i love it i love it i i lean more towards the 4th of July but um you know it's they're, they're both good they're both good i i absolutely love this holiday thank you guys for your input and uh it's we just we, we we broke ground here today guys we 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 officially changed the culture of the bridge church to be a captain america church <laughs> Chris does check in periodically and goes hey, how how you doing man how are things going and and it, he he he's super super awesome that way but um I'm nervous he might ghost me from this point on he, he might be upset that we that we just kind of t- you know, destroy Superman. But uh, I am excited for this day. I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to get you guys out of here a little bit earlier today. Normally we'll see. I am also a pastor, so I get long-winded, which also happens. But I am excited to continue. We are almost through our Fishing with Gramps series. One more set of hands. Who has been fishing so far this weekend or plans to go fishing? A few people. Wow. Again, I made this joke earlier, but the reason there's not many more hands is because they're all out fishing right now. They got, they got their phone and a little thing over here by their boat while they're fishing, like listening to me. So good luck, everybody. Hope you guys are out there. But uh, I, when I put this series together, I was actually sitting with Pastor Chris in December um, talking about what we were kind of planning for. And I put this series together called Fishing with Gramps, and I'm really, really excited about it. But when I put it together, I had a very, very vivid picture of kind of what like was going on in my head when I put this series together. Like what this fishing with Gramps metaphorical picture would look like. Because when I was a senior in high school, um, I had one of the most lax jobs ever. Uh, Like I I made up for it in college, but this particular summer I had like the easiest job ever. And so it was like a frequent thing where my youth pastor would pick me up. We would like you know, dr- like drive out to the lake, and I mean, like Mach ten. Like we're just like, you know, flying through gravel roads. Like we're trying to get on the lake before the the sun goes down. We're trying to race out there. And so we grabbed a grabbed a pizza on the way. We just threw all of our stuff right in the boat, dropped in, started fishing. It was awesome, super super fun. But I really enjoyed the fishing part of it because a lot of times we slayed them, which was really really cool. But there were a lot of conversations, especially as a senior in high school, where we're sitting on the water. You guys can probably picture this: this picturesque sunset coming down on the thing, right? Like the water is just glass; like it's quiet. All you hear is just the zing, and then you know what I got, right? That was pretty good, if I do say so myself. Pretty good. We're out there though, and it's just quiet, and it's just serene. And I just, I just casually would say hey man, like what, like, I'm kind of struggling like, with what to do with my life, where to go with my life, like, what do I do in this situation, what do I do with that situation? And, and the, the wisdom and just the, it, it was so unplanned, so like not scripted, but just like being able to just like be real with my youth pastor for a second, and just letting him speak into my life, sharing wisdom. Those were some of the most formative conversations of my life, and they were so unplanned. Because there was just something cool about just two dudes being out in nature fishing and then just having these life-changing conversations. You talk about, again, worship. That's worship. Two guys getting together, talking about Jesus, talking about our lives. That is a form of worship. That is a way of honoring and respecting God. And I, I loved those conversations because they were just so powerful. I remember that happened they happened 10 years ago. and I just remember the conversations, the questions I asked and the response he gave me because I think about it all of the time. And so when it comes to this idea of fishing with Gramps, that's what I had in mind because the book of James is just like that. It's just these things that maybe just I feel like off the cuff or unplanned that are just like boom, to the point, short, sweet, but pungent and and strong. And so I'm excited to continue that this week but on the 4th of July weekend uh, that we have here. For me, this holiday is probably one of my favorites. I love summer. Summer is my absolute favorite season of the year. But the Fourth of July just feels like the universal, at least American, holiday of just like hitting the pause button. Like like people take off a long weekend, or they take the week off before or the week after. It's just like the universally accepted like everybody just going to pause and just take a breath this week, and they're just going to just hit the pause. Get away from life. Get away from stress. Just take a step back and just go, and I love that. It's so, so good because so much of our life is busy and chaotic. There's so many physical demands. Some of you guys are working outside every single day, and it's thinking hot. It's been so hot this summer. It, 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 it's crazy. If you have kids in sports, you're, you're over here, here, and then, you're, and then you're out of rush there and grab them and do all this. Thing. There's so much physical chaos, physical stress that comes along with it. But I think what's most enjoyable for me on the 4th of July weekend is just that emotional pause. Like, yes, all the activity and all the chaos seasons, but it's also that time just for you just to, like, let your guard down and just, like, relax a little bit. Because so much of what we carry is not physical demands. It's emotional. We carry a lot of emotional burden around. Worry, for example. A lot of us worry a lot about big things, about small things. We worry. There's a lot of fear and angst. There's fear about what our kids might be getting into, what might happen at our job, what might happen in our world. Like if you watch the news, there's there's usually a good reason you're going to be like, Help, Jesus! Because there's just so much craziness out in the world right now. And we carry around that fear and that angst of, like, we always got to be on a swivel because it feels like at any given moment, there's going to be someone who wants to kill us. There's that fear and that angst that walks around. Stress. I'm not going to do this because we've raised our hands enough. I don't want you guys to get arm fatigue. But I bet if I were to say, how many of you have been stressed in the last month? It'd be like a... Because we are habitual creatures of carrying around this emotional weight with us. And I think if I were to just put an umbrella over all that worry, fear, angst, stress, whatever it is, the umbrella that we carry around, the umbrella that encapsulates all of those negative emotions is this idea of uncertainty. We hate to be unsure, uncertain of things. What decision do I need to make in this particular scenario? How will this play out? If, if this scenario plays out, what do I need to do about it? Uh, how do I approach it this way? Do I need to say something or not say something? Am I supposed to go this direction or that direction? What am I supposed to do with my life right now? Should I just stay here? Should I move? There's all these things that go on. And then there's even more conceptual questions of how do I know God's real? How do I know God's going to come through for me this scenario? There's all this uncertainty And when that uncertainty just lets go in our mind, it wrecks us. It feeds into the worry. It feeds into the stress. It feeds into all these different things because we are not built, our world is not built to be uncertain. There are literally things technology has brought into our life that makes uncertainty or not knowing things a thing of the past, right? Like tracking packages, for example. Remember the days when you used to just order something or wait for something in the mail and you just had to like, just, just wait and just, nope, not here today. Now we're like, oh, it's in Oklahoma. Ooh, cool. Why'd it go to Ohio? It was just closer, but now it went backwards and and we're always tracking like, oh, it's on a plane. It's coming. It's in Isani. It's going to be there. I bet it's driving around my neighborhood right now. Like we are literally watching it all the time. We're tracking it. Life 360, parents in the room. This is your lifeline. Life 360 is probably your most used app of all time because you can literally see where your kids are at all times. Right? Life 360 is awesome. We can literally watch where our pizza is at in the making process. If you order a pizza on Donald's, you can say, Oh cool, they got my order. Oh cool, they're making my pizza. Oh cool, my pizza's in the oven. A pizza. You can literally track a pizza. How did we get here? How did we get here that we can literally know all of these things all the time? It's your medical things. You can go to the doctor. They can run labs, and you can know within hours where you at. You don't have to wait for a phone call. You don't have to wait for the doctor to get around to it. You can literally watch and know where your medical stuff is at at any given moment. Some of y'all in the room, which I'm not going to say names, but I know one really, really well, is one of these people that will actually like, intentionally look at spoilers. Like your favorite shows, your favorite movies that have just aired, they will actually research because people will go online and like tell you what the outcome of the show is. And some of y'all like to know what that is. Just some people. (laughs) Not going to name names, but I'm really close to this person. We're literally in the middle of the show and she's on her phone what? Oh, it's going to be good. (laughs) I'm like, how is that enjoyable? She's like, well, I I like to, I like to know like what's going to happen. It makes me enjoy it more. And I'm like, that's literally so backwards. (laughs) Oh, but I love her more than anything. Uncertainty makes us feel uncomfortable because it, it gives us this idea that we have a little bit of control. There's this idea that if we know what's going to happen, if we know this is going to play out, if we know exactly how to do this, we feel more secure. We feel more safe because we feel like we're in control and we like to know what it is that we do. I was, I was talking to somebody a couple months ago and they were kind of just like giving me like, Hey, uh, I'm in, a, I'm in a scenario right now. I'm in a thing and I'm not sure if I should do this. Or that. I was kind of, all right, like, so what do you think? Like pros and cons on each side. What do you like about this one? What do you like about this one? They shared with me. They're like, so what should I do? And I was like, no idea. You got to choose. And they're like, I hate you. Like, just tell me what to do. Like, I, I, I don't want to make the decision. Just tell me what to do. Because we like that closure. We like not having that uncertainty. By default, baked into the demands of our life, we are, as human beings, want that closure. We want that certainty. There's a word in the Bible that actually will accommodate those things, and it's called wisdom. Wisdom helps us navigate a situation. Wisdom helps us navigate a change, whether it's a change in our career, a change in a relationship, a change in our way of life. We need wisdom to navigate that. Wisdom to navigate overcoming struggles and fleshly temptations or fleshly pulls? How do I navigate this? How do I keep myself from doing that and get back on this track of wisdom? Wisdom to help us navigate the minefield of different various choices and options we have available to us. There is no set path anymore of anything. You can have this option or that option, that option or that option, that option or that option. How do you navigate all of that and how do you navigate making your way in this world. It's why contraptions like this guy exist. The magic eight ball. Did anybody have one of these when you were younger? I'm not going to lie to you. I couldn't make it work for me today. I said, well, my wife make me look cool today. And I said positively, and Meg said, it must be broken. We like these things because it at least gives us some form of direction. It makes us give some type of thing. To this day, um, my friend Jake and I, when we go out to eat, we are perhaps the most indecisive people on the planet. And so what happens is a lot of times we jump in our trucks and start driving to go out to eat, and we run out of gas. Not literally, but we drive all over St. Cloud because we can't make up our mind. We just start driving around like, does that sound good? No, not really. So... We now have a pact where before we get in the vehicle, we need to know where we're going. And more often than not, we narrow it down to two choices and flip a coin because we can't decide. We can't come up with it. There's all sorts of these goofy mechanisms like in Magic 8-Ball that just some form of direction, some form of like, you know what? Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm truly between a rock and a hard place. It's a 50-50 shot, so I'm just going to leave it up to fate and see what it does because we like that closure. It helps us direct where we are to go. It helps us give us just a little bit of a heading in that direction. But I think there's a little more reliable way other than this magic eight ball, and I want to show you it in James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Before I go on, so many times we can just read scripture, or read the Bible in just big chunks, and it's kind of like, oh, that sounds good, but then just keep on going on. But I want us to actually understand and just break this down so simply. If any of you lacks wisdom, which I'm pretty sure is almost everybody in this po- room at some point, there's been a moment or a situation where you're just like, I'm not sure what to do. I'm, I'm lacking that wisdom. James just makes it so simple. If you lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. It seems too easy. Hey, if you're not sure, just ask God who gives it, and he will. It seems too easy. But I think it's important to break down what exactly James says in here, because it says he gives it generously without finding fault. What does that mean? The Bible tells us that God is all-knowing. The word is omniscient. It means he literally knows everything about everything which blows my mind. But Psalm 139 literally says that he knows the thoughts that will come through our head before we can even think them. Like that actually blows my mind. How is that possible? He knows everything. He knows almost as much as our teenagers. Almost. But the kicker is that God knows all of these things. He knows all of the stuff that goes on, but at the same time, he's willing to share it. He's willing to share it with us. And so when it says he gives it generously, what does that mean? It means there's no holding back. If you ask for wisdom, he's not just going to give you like a little breadcrumb and say, hey, let's see what goes on down here. He gives you that wisdom in full. There's this picture of a, of a parent in this, in this scenario. I love what it says here in Luke chapter 7 when it talks about prayer. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? We as parents would never imagine if our son, is, or son or daughter is wanting this one thing, like, hey, I would really love a new bike. Cool, here's a razor blade. Like, never. Like, we know how to give good gifts. And so what he's saying, and Luke is saying in this chapter, is saying, if we know how to give good gifts, how much better a perfect father up in heaven? If we ask him for something, he's going to give it. Now, it's not like, hey, God, I'll live a Lamborghini. Like, it doesn't quite work that way. But God gives us the things that we're asking, if we're asking with the right heart, if we're asking with the right intention. So when he's saying it gives it generously, it's not a, I just gave you wisdom last week, so you're not getting any this week. There's no quota. There's no end to it. He gives it generously. And here is ultimately the thing that I think holds most of us up. Without finding fault. Without finding fault. I can't ask God for wisdom because I put myself in a situation. Who am I to ask God to help me deliver me from this when I willingly knew I should have done this, but yet at the same time, i jumped myself in here. I'm not going to ask God for that. Without finding fault. It doesn't matter if you're a great person, a good person, an okay person, a bad person. It just says, if you ask God for wisdom, he will give it generously without finding fault. So it doesn't matter where you are in that spectrum. You are able to have the wisdom that God has for you. And instead of being scared or hesitant, we're, we're supposed to just ask him for it directly. We need to stop missing out on the wisdom that God has for us because we don't feel like we're worthy of it. You need to stop missing out on the wisdom that God can give us just because we don't think that we deserve it. God wants us to live the way he lives. He wants us to give uh, give us clarity and peace on decisions we need to make. He wants us to have the peace that comes only from him. And we can ask him for it. And he'll give it. There's, there's no catch-22. It's not like, hey, you need to clean up your life first. Hey, you need to do that. Hey, you need to come back to church first. Hey, you need to stop doing that first. There's, there's, no, there's no strings attached. If you ask him for it, he will give it because he doesn't find fault in you when you're doing, when you're asking for it. That's why he gives us this thing called the Holy Spirit. God the Father is up in heaven. Jesus is next to him. He paid the price. But at the same time, this Holy Spirit, which often seems mystical, is literally God's spirit who knows, who is fully God, who knows all things. And at the same time, the Bible tells us that when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that Holy Spirit lives inside of us. So the wisdom that God has, the knowledge that he has, is actually right in here the whole time. We see to ask him to reveal it to us. It's why one of my pet peeves is when we say, like, we just we welcome God in this place when we're worshiping. It's like, he's already here. <laughs> we don't have to welcome him in. We just have to be aware that he's already here. He's already working. God's inside of you with the wisdom that you need. It's just a matter of asking him for it. It's a matter of showing him or, or, or allowing yourself to, to be there. So, like, quite frankly, how do you ask? You might say, like, I, yeah, that sounds good, but how do you ask? Prayer is one of those things I think a lot of times we feel like it has to be a certain way. But something I tell our youth students all the time was, Prayer is a conversation between you and God. Some of the deepest prayers I have are Jesus, help. Jesus, I don't know what to do here. Will you just give me some clarity? Sometimes it's on the way to a meeting that I'm not sure how it's going to go. Sometimes it is just laying in bed at night, just tossing and turning because I can't come up with a decision. I, I don't know about you guys, but there are nights I just can't sleep because there's stuff going on in my brain. And it's not a, oh God, Heavenly Father, do all these. Da, da, da. No, it's Jesus. Just please give me some peace. Give me some clarity. Thank you. How would you ask someone you highly respect for a favor? For me, it's my dad. I know not everyone in their life has a great relationship with their dad. I'm fortunate enough that I did have that, and there's so many times where I got a, a an air conditioner that's not working. Hey dad, um, my air conditioning is broken. Okay, have you checked this out? No. Did you do the thing I asked you to do last year? No. Okay. Go and do this. Go and do that. Go and do that. Do this then. Is it working? Yep. Dad, um, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck on the side of the road. Just smoked a pole with my car. True story. <laughs> what do I do? Call the insurance company. Do this. Da-da-da-da. Wasn't, hey, Dad, I haven't talked to you in a few days. How are you doing? Hope you're doing well. Just wanted to kind of pitch something to you and see if this is okay. I know i got to talk a lot of words before I get to the actual what I want to say here. But, no, Dad, I'm, I, I need something. I need it now. A lot of times I think our prayer life needs to emulate that. Jesus, help me. Jesus. I need you, Jesus. come. James chapter 1, verse 6, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. And I used to read this and feel like it was an oxymoron. Like, hey, hey, ask for wisdom, he'll give it. But when you, when you ask for it, don't doubt it. If I'm asking for wisdom, it's because I have all kinds of doubts going on in my brain right now. Like, how does that work? And so I used to feel like, okay, man, it's an impossible task. But the more I studied it this week, the more I realized he's not talking about doubting the circumstance. He's talking about doubting the source. What's happening here is when this, this part was, was written or the scripture was written, what would happen is if people were struggling with, with, with crops, they didn't have any rain, they would go and pray to God, the God that we're talking about right now, Yahweh was his name in the Hebrew. They would pray to Yahweh, God, would you help us? But then they would go consult the God of water. And that, that God, would you please bring water for our crops? There were, if people were struggling with infertility, instead of just going right to God and trusting God for it to happen, they would go to the God of infertility. Baal, Baal, I think is how it's pronounced, B-A-A-L. They would go to God and that God. They would kind of just kind of have like a sample of all the different gods on there because they wanted to kind of make sure they covered all their bases. And that's where James is saying, you must believe and not doubt that Yahweh will answer your prayer. Believe and not doubt that it's him alone who can do all these things, types of different things. Let's bring it into our context right now in the twenty. 20- First century, good grief. It's confusing. We might pray about something, but then also go and consult the, the bartender when we go downtown just to kind of get away from things and kind of get his perspective. We might go to what other religions say, like, yeah, maybe maybe church is, is going to be good, but I'm also going to see, uh, you know, what, what, the, what the Jewish faith looks like or that type of thing. Here's, I think, the one that we get into the most trouble with, research. Especially when you're uncertain. There's nothing wrong with research. I'm an avid researcher myself, actually. But what happens is sometimes we're in need of a miracle. And we pray and we ask God. But then we also dive into Google and spend hours and hours and hours and go, there's no way God can do it. The diagnosis is too strong. There's no way. That research, I think, is something that can get us into trouble really, really fast. And the problem is there's so many different voices, so many different things that are just vying for our attention right now. I'm one who's easily persuaded sometimes on certain things, but I think what James is trying to say here is like he's saying, if you, you must believe and not doubt. You must trust that God's going to come through and do what he's going to do for you and believe and not doubt. Otherwise, you'll be like a wave tossed by the wind. That sounds really good that 's a really good perspective that 's what i 'm going to do, and all of a sudden you talk to somebody over here who's on the completely opposite side of the spectrum, and you make some really good points. actually, you know what i 'm kind of like this. yeah, but have you thought about this, and all of a sudden you're doing this thing the whole time. The waves have no choice but to follow the wind. You go into Norris Lake right now, sometimes the waves are crashing this way, sometimes they 're crashing this way, sometimes they 're coming into shore this way, sometimes they 're going that way. they have to succumb to the force of the wind. We don't. The world can be telling you it's impossible. The world can be telling you that you can only do this. The world can be telling you that you will never ever amount to this. That dream that you have is too impossible. That thing that God's put on your heart is never going to happen. And you can listen to that and feel like a wave tossed by the wind, but we trust the Lord and we follow him and ask for his wisdom and walk it out. We don't have to succumb to the wind. So what's moving you, what voice, what choice, what thing in your life is moving you the most and informing most of your decisions? Because that will always be the fallback. The strongest force will always be the one that inevitably wins out. And so if your your source is something that maybe you're not super pumped about, it's going to be your default no matter what comes. So on this 4th of July weekend, I have four points for you on finding wisdom. That was not on purpose. I just realized that right now. Holy cheesy. We all need wisdom at some point. And here I think, four things that we need to consider. Number one, ask and expect an answer. When we ask God for something, when we ask for wisdom, we need to be ready for him to answer because that's what he does. It's not our prayers will just hit the ceiling and come right back down. He hears them. We need to ask God, but we have to be ready for him to speak because he will speak. I love what it says here in Luke chapter 18. A certain ruler asked him, him being Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus goes on to tell him, like, okay, you got to follow these commandments and do these things, and then you're good. And he goes, okay, cool, yep, I've done all of that. Verse 22, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. You might look at this, this story and go, I thought we just had to believe in Jesus, and you do. But what, what Jesus saw right through this, is he was looking for validation. I'm a good person, God. I'm, a, I'm doing the right things, right? I get to go to heaven, right? And Jesus is saying, you know what? Like, you are a really good person. But there's still one thing. You're really loaded and you kind of hold it with a closed fist. If you want to experience the joy, you want to experience heaven on earth, start sharing it with some of the people. And that's when he walks away really, really sad. God's going to speak, and it might be something that makes you a little uncomfortable. God, I need wisdom. I'm, just, I'm, I'm burnt out in my job. I'm stuck with this. Like, I just need some wisdom. Okay, Step out and do something that's outside your comfort zone. Oh, that's a little uncomfortable. I don't like that. And it's normal, a career change. God, I'm so sick of this marriage. I'm so sick of this junk. I'm so sick of it. Would you just please give me some wisdom? What am I supposed to do here? Fight. Fight. Stay in it. Serve more. Complain less. I'm not saying that if you're in a toxic, abusive thing, you just need to stick it all. I'm not trying to speak that over you, but my point is that sometimes God will speak things that are tough for us to digest. Things that are outside of our comfort zone, steps of faith he's calling us to do. And it's not always easy to do it. But the key is to be able to listen and trust that it's going to lead to something better. Proverbs chapter 3 is, it's not going to be on the screen, but so it says this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. But here's the part I think a lot of us get hung up on, and lean not on your own understanding. Part of trusting God is not leaning on what we think is true. And that's tough. But number two, after you ask and expect the answer, we have to also know understand how God speaks. So many people are like, gosh, I, I've been praying for so long, and it's just, is God even real? Because I don't hear him. And part of it is I don't think we always know how God speaks. We can't understand how he speaks. And so part of the way we understand how God speaks, when God gives wisdom and direction, a lot of ways he speaks through is his word. It's why we read the Bible. Not so that we can have more of a rule book or a a playbook. It's truly to understand the character of who he is. Because it's one of those things where we see how God moved in the past. When we see how God did something to another group of people in another time, we understand maybe God can move that way in my life too. And we get wisdom by knowing how he acted in his word. Another way to understand how God speaks is through his people. It might sound like I'm contradicting myself a little bit here, but someone in your life who loves Jesus, if you're asking God for direction, that person very well might speak through God, or God might speak through that person. There have been conversations about a few months ago, actually, I was, I was in a situation where I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying for direction. I'm praying for wisdom with something specifically related to my personal life and church. And just on a whim, I'm like, hey, can I just, one of my best friends in the world, the same friend who we can't decide if it's Burger here or McDonald's for 45 minutes. So, hey, man, love Jesus. He's a great friend of mine. I was like, hey, here is what I'm struggling with. I, here are the pros. Here are the cons. I'm, I, I'm truly at a 50-50. And in that moment, it's just like my friend was just like, See, it's obvious to me. Boom, 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 boom. And that very well could have just been his personality, but at the same time, there was something about God kind of spoke through him in a little way. God spoke through him in a way that was just powerful. He was a man who, 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 who prays and does that type of stuff himself. And when he's having this conversation with me, all of a sudden, he just, it feels like there's a little bit more power and conviction to what he's saying. It's not just on a whim, like, eh. It's like... No, this is what you need to do. And in that moment, I had so much peace, and it was powerful. Friends, mentors, pastors, spiritual believers themselves, God will sometimes use other people to speak. Why community and fellowship with each other is so, so important. Community, book of Acts is full of it, same kind of concept. Word of encouragement, perspective we needed to hear. Counselors, therapists. God can speak through counselors and therapists. We need to stop taking God out of the business secular world because God can move very much anywhere all the time. He's not confined to Christian circles. And so there might be things that God needs to speak right to you that will come at the mouth of your counselor or therapist. So if this is, if this is the moment you're like, I, I don't want to go there. I just believe I'm trusting God. I'm doing all this different stuff. Like We need to stop limiting how God can speak. <laughs> because he can speak through people who have a gift in mental health, a gift in psychology. And the last one, perhaps the one that's most evident for me, is his peace. Sometimes if you're at a Y in the road and you're not sure where to go, just start knocking on those metaphorical doors and see what happens. So many times my prayer is, God, open this door and close the doors that need to be closed. Open the doors that need to be opened and start walking through them. And when the door slammed shut, okay, now I'm supposed to go that direction. Go this way. When I have peace about well, a situation, I know when I'm praying and praying and praying. All of a sudden, I have a peace about making this decision. I know it's God's blessing and God's assurance that go. That peace is tangible. Point number three is be careful who your voices of wisdom are. Be careful. Because there might be some people who want to speak into your life that don't have your best interest in mind. James chapter 3. I'm not going to get into it because there's a whole bunch of scripture here. Not the scripture's on not important, but I want to get you out of here on time. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18 is all about wisdom. But the first part of the chapter is about how the religious teachers of the time, the people who were supposedly on in love with God, were... Wise, they were the people, if you had an issue, they would go to those people to get that wisdom from them. But they have their own best interests in mind. Hey, I'll give you some wisdom, but I'll take some money first, please. Yeah, you're not sure what to do? Um, I think God wants you to come be a part of our synagogue so you can help me and serve me and pay me, and so that's what you should probably do. Those wise people were not wise at all. They were the people who just had their own best interests in mind. Yet at the same time, I love this. People who are wise, full of God's wisdom. It says this in James chapter 3, verse 17. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. This is the blueprint for wisdom. If you're asking God for wisdom, and it's not those things, it's probably not from God. If the choice you feel like God's calling you to do is calling you to be insincere, partial, mean, it might not be from him. It might just be our own selfish ambition getting in the way. So be careful who will speak into your life. Not to be guarded because you need people in your life. But just keep in mind what their motives are for helping you. Are they truly there to help you or there to help themselves? And the last one, be sensitive and be bold. God will be with you in the indecision process, but also be with you in the aftermath. The love about God is it's not a matter of like, God, would you please help me? And he can kind of push you through the door and then leaves you all about your merry way. He's with you in the beginning, during, and after. He stays with you after he's done moving, after the situation is resolved. So just be sensitive to his leading because there's one thing. He, I love this. God's always one step ahead of us waiting for us to get to that step. And when we get to that step, he's another step ahead of us. He's always ahead of us, leading us and directing us into the way he wants us to go. Yet at the same time, he can also reach back and pull us forward. He's so, so near and dear. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. You are not alone in your indecision. God's not leaving you out to dry. He's not leaving you out there just to be completely at the mercy of the world. He's there to be there for you. And when you get comfortable asking God for his wisdom, because if we don't, we're going to struggle. We're going to be like that wave tossed in the wind. Gotta get comfortable asking for Him. But I think what's probably toughest for for everyone is sometimes it feels like He's not actually there. I ask for wisdom. I ask for Him to do this. But He's not coming through yet, and it can feel like is He even there? Is He even real? I believe with every ounce of my heart that God will show Himself. He's not a cloak and dagger where he's trying just to kind of just inch you along and see, hey, will you trust in me? Hey, will you trust in me? He wants to be near and dear in your life. If he didn't, he wouldn't to send his son, the most beloved thing he has for us. He wants to be near. He wants to be close to you. He wants to show himself to you, but we have to be willing for him to speak. We have to be sincere and say, God, will you please just show me that you're real? God, will you just be evident through this. And it might come through a miraculous thing. It might come through, you know, you have a conversation with somebody, all of a sudden the answers, the questions you had come resolved. But we need to be aware that God desires to move and be real in our life and give us the wisdom that we need. And so I want to close today with this very idea of asking him for that wisdom, asking him for the direction where we're supposed to go. For your personal life, for the sake of our church, for what's going on in your family, all this different stuff. I believe God is going to, in the next week, month, year, I want you to remember this moment because I think there are things we're going to pray for today that He answers in a very, very real way. Maybe not on our timeline, maybe not when we want to or how we want to, but I believe He will and can speak. So, boys, you're trying to some music. I just want to pray or some very specific things in this room tonight, or today, not tonight. That'd be a really long sermon. But as we wrap up today, if you wouldn't mind just closing your eyes, bowing your heads, Jesus, we are trusting in you as the source. God, we're not going to go and consult the different other gods, so-called gods that exist in this world. We're going to trust in you as the source. And so today, God, I want to ask for wisdom on behalf of people in our church. I want to ask for wisdom for those that are trying to figure out what that change in their life is going to look like. Maybe it's a career change. Maybe it's a relationship change. Maybe it's something they've been on the fence about for so long and they're not sure where to go. I want to pray, God, for clarity that this week, this month, that there's going to be a, some form of evidence that God... This is what I'm supposed to do, and they're going to go forward with conviction, and they're going to go forward with authority, knowing that you spoke, knowing that you did something. I pray for clarity in that, Jesus. God, I pray for wisdom for those that are facing a medical diagnosis that they're waiting for, a diagnosis that they have, but the doctors can't solve anything, the doctors can't find the answers. And they're trying to figure out what to do, where to go, how to, how to process through this, how to reconcile their faith with this. I just pray for wisdom, Jesus. Would you surround them with people in their life that can speak life into them and, and be there for them. I pray for that wisdom to know how to proceed forward. God, I pray for wisdom for those that are on the fence about counseling marriage counseling, personal, mental health counseling. Those that feel like they need someone in their life to go, but they're not on board yet. They're trying to figure out how they can. Pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom, Jesus, that you would speak and you would move. Jesus, I pray for wisdom for the Bridge Church. As we go forth to try and See the people of our community come alive in Christ. Would you give us wisdom, our volunteers wisdom, our staff wisdom, our pastors wisdom, would you just please direct us and guide us on how we're supposed to go? And last but certainly not least, for those that are on the fence about what they believe, for those who are trying to figure out how and when and if and those questions of if God's even real. God, I pray that you would show up. God, that you would just be so clear and so evident as I know you have been in my life and the lives of the people of our church. I pray Jesus, that for those people that are here in this room, those people that are watching on, those people that are listening back to this this week that are on the fence, I pray God for a miracle, an undeniable piece of evidence that you are real and you are near and you desire to be a part of their life. They would know it's not about what they've done. All they have to do is purely just welcome you in and say, Jesus, I want you part of my life. You forgive me. We know you're going to speak, Lord. We know you're evident. I just ask God to go forth today on this 4th of July weekend. Would you be with us? We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We know you're evident. I just ask God as we go forth today on this 4th of July weekend. Would you be with us? We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.